Welcome back to another episode of Life in the Urban City podcast. We do these podcasts to create a community for students and provide mentor tips to youth workers. I'm your host, Paul Hudak, and again, today we are accompanied by our executive director here at Justice for Youth, Eric Vasquez. Um, It's been about a month uh, since our last recording and talking to our audience. Can you just catch us up, share what's been going on um, within the community and stuff that you've been dealing with, and then we'll, we'll, we'll get started with the day. Yeah, I think uh, we've been a part of a lot of great work here in the city. Um, since the last time we connected through podcasts, we've been doing a lot of work on the Police uh, Reform and Accountability Task Force. I sit as chair on that task force, and it's an honor to lead challenging conversations with amazing uh, PD partners as well as community members that round out a team that focuses on just improving transparency and trust and practices um, in our community, especially with some of the um, racial issues and some of the the things that have gone on in communities of color. Um, It's a very um, critical time to be a part of this work. So we also are a compassionate city here in Pomona. Mm-hmm. So Paul and and myself are mostly Paul, part of the compassionate city movement. And then we also lead some collaboratives for restorative practice. And we're working hard to get um, our community to adopt these uh, ideas and philosophies of how to deal with conflict uh, or offenses within the city, helping people that are reentering our community have restorative um extensions toward them from community members who are helping them reacclimate. So there's a lot that we do. Um, our programs are running amazing. We've welcomed some new team members. Uh, we definitely have identified a, a great student need for visitation, especially for those who are incarcerated um, and or in placement. So we've been busy, man, but yeah. doing good work. No, yeah, it's, it's true. It's been insane and busy over here. Um, you kind of mentioned this restorative practice um, concept. Eric, can you just dive into that a little bit and just share, like, what is restorative practice? Because I know a lot of people, this is, a, like, a nuance, something new, um, and, and, it's, and it's not necessarily um, a common, you know, saying. Um, a lot of times you hear, like, RJ or stuff like that. So can you just, like, go and dive in and say what restorative justice is and restorative practices are? Yeah, so Justice for Youth is a restorative justice organization bent towards mentoring. We do a lot of our RJ work and restorative practice through relationships and through mentoring. So a lot of the time, you know, restorative justice is an approach to justice in which one um, of our responses to offenses or some would say crime is to organize circles or meetings between victims and offenders. Um, and sometimes wider representatives from the community. So these are, like, I'll give you an example. This youngster, he hit up, a, he tagged on a, on a school. He was caught up on a camera. Or I mean, he tagged at a community center. He was caught up on camera, busted. And we brought him in with the police, with his principal, with his parents and his sister, with um, community members like myself, and then the executive director and members of that organization that he tagged up on Mm -hmm. and man it was a powerful conversation so instead of slapping it to him right ticketing him putting him into the justice uh to the system right the juvenile justice system we have these beautiful restorative efforts that are bent towards reconciliation and restoration of not only young people's life but any 
person's life. And that's both for the offender and the victim. Yeah, no, that, that's really good because for a lot of people, restorative justice is a nuance. It's something that a lot of times you don't hear of. Uh, when, you th- when you think of discipline in, in our society, like we always jump back to the old school days with like a parent and a stick kind of thing. Or, you know, you could go to the, the parents like, oh, back in my day at school, the teacher pulled out a ruler and, you know, put, you put it out your hand and they disciplined you that way, which is considered punitive punishment. And right. um, we're noticing that punitive punishment, if you look at the statistics and the facts behind it, the the success rate of punitive is actually a lot smaller than actually restorative. And so we're trying to change the mindset of what's going on and the belief that, you know, because you did something wrong, we have to do something wrong to you mm-hmm. versus, hey, actually versus doing something wrong to you, we need to restore and to get to the root cause and the heart of the issue versus like, you know, it's like you're, you're bleeding. So we're just going to put a bandaid on, but you don't realize that that, that bleed that's infected and so it's still going to get worse and so we're trying to treat the infection versus just the symptoms and i think that restorative practice leaks into every element of our lives so those of us who are parents right the way that we engage our children those of us in a workplace with many different diverse you know personalities and you may be rubbing each other the wrong way but how do you deal with that conflict right so it, it really spreads out across life and in so many different scenarios. And yeah, Paul alluded to the fact that we we practice it on campuses that we're at, where we practice it with our youth who are incarcerated. We practice it, um, you know, in group homes that we visit. You name it, man. You know, we're rolling it out in that space. So, yeah, that's a little bit about that. Yeah, awesome. So the question that kind of has been on my mind, um, and I think it's, it's going to be a controversial conversation because uh, of just the nature of it. But this is the phrase I kind of want to dive in and talk about today is your emergency is not my emergency. Uh, And we want to kind of talk. I want you to kind of talk about it on like the youth side, the youth worker side. um, And then we're just going to just dive in and talk about this as a whole and how we can even incorporate this in our own personal lives as well of this concept of your emergency is not my emergency. Yeah, dude, that's classic, like, youth. That should be, like, tatted on youth workers, you know? (laughs) We should get that put across our face or our chest or our back, man. Um, And I should probably do it in Chinese, and then I can just show kids. It's like, hey, bro, check this out. Look this up. But I can't tell you how many IG messages per week that we get with this, um, with the young person saying, oh, my God. I need help, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it's true stories, okay? So just yesterday, I get a hit. Um, somebody hits me up on IG, and it's a girl who I've mentored long time. And she says, hey, uh, I need you to help my friends. You know, they're going through it. They're struggling. They just got kicked out, and uh, they need resources. And she's hitting me up, you know, in the middle of my workday and expecting me to respond. And then she hits me up saying, why haven't you responded? And I'm like, dude, I'm at work. And yes, my I work with youth, but like I have meetings and stuff like be patient with me. Right. And yes, I'm willing to help them. But just because they're in the streets and homeless, I'm not the answer, man. And I can't help you. Then this, just earlier that day, I got a message from another young lady who told me that she got tattoos. And for the first time, um, you know, she got a tattoo on her face. And this was a discussion that we had been talking about with her for years. Like, don't get a tattoo. We know you like the art, but don't do it in somewhere that you're going to regret it and don't get something. Well, she hits us up and, 
you know, she's wanting me to respond immediately. And then the last one, just yesterday, all these three happened, is I got a guy who I've been working with who's been clean off meth for a few months. And just yesterday, he slipped back into alcoholism. And he's basically saying like, hey, you know, I'm going back to my old ways. Like, please let me come and distract myself so I could stay clean. Uh, give me some chores to take care of at the office uh, all week. So then I respond to him and I give him the the option and then he doesn't respond back to me you know so it's just crazy and if you allow every emergency to be your emergency you're gonna go nuts and you're not gonna have a balanced life you're not gonna accomplish anything i'm not saying don't be merciful and show compassion if you guys only knew how many times i bless you know young people in secret and you know in different ways that i help them uh, you know, and they're always worried about having to pay me back. And I'm like, dude, I didn't give you that with the expectation of you reimbursing me. Like I wanted to bless you. Right. So I'm not saying don't be compassionate and don't be merciful or sympathetic, but I'm just saying that there's structure that you can create in your life to have pockets of outreach and response to crises. There's going to be times though. I mean, you know, this Paul, that we got to respond. Like, you want to yeah. tell a little bit of your story with the young lady that uh, had a, a crisis at Pomona High and you oh. went? And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that, that's a good... Because, like, I think the hardest part, like, before I get into that story is, like, being able to, dis you know, dissect and cipher out, like, is this a true emergency or is it them just wanting the attention? Uh, because... So, Every kid wants attention. Uh, unfortunately, our society um, and the youth that we provide services towards, um, they don't get attention. And that's what that's what they want. That's why they act out. That's why they get in trouble is because they want that attention a lot of times. Um, but um, the incident that uh, Eric's mentioned talking about, it happened at one of our high schools. This girl, um, 5150, which is essentially um, she's a threat to herself or someone else. And they have to put her on like a 72-hour hold. Um, and so the, this young lady, she, um, she she was going crazy on campus. The the school called us, um, and I was like, all right, well, I, I know her. You know what? Let me come up, and we'll talk. And so I went up, and, you know, there, there was <laughs> three counselors. There was a CSOs, uh, you know, campus security officers. And then, like, 911 showed up. Like, cops showed up. Firefighters showed up, like paramedics showed up and she's like I don't want to talk to them I just want to talk to you and she pointed at me and she's like alright so it was like it was kind of funny I, <laughs> I was essentially like her interpreter to um, to the emergency services and everything was like alright what's going on um, and so and the what was hard for her was realizing you know like everyone's here to help like we're not going to like harm and take advantage and, and hurt her and so they, they took her to um, the hospital um and, like, I went with her. I went into the emergency room. And, like, she didn't want her, her family there. She's like, you know, I only want you back there. And so we, we worked it out where I was able to, you know, be in the back in the emergency room just, like, talking to her and, like, helping her and, like, calm down, uh, which was something that was really difficult for her at this time. Um, and realizing, you know what, like, that that was an emergency. And, yeah, and definitely. And I was lucky enough because I don't live in the same city of which we provide services for. And so it, was, it happened when I was available and I was able to make it. And the hard question is, is you know, what would happen when it's after hours when I can't? We're trying to get him to so, come to Pomona, though, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so, trying to find him my house. So it, 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 that is something that you have to consider. It's like 
know, can you, you know, like, let's say, give a scenario, you get hit up at like at midnight, you know, hey, this is an emergency. How do you decipher and understand, like, is that even an emergency? And is this yeah. something to, you know, go and, and, and show the, the youth and the kids that you care about them? I was going to say, you know, very practically for people who are listening, youth workers in particular, is like, um, it sounds weird, but I think, you know, because of my brain, the way it works administratively, it's almost like you're creating a criteria for what things you will respond to immediately in a crisis. So, like, I have a few, right? So, if, if there's a threat to a kid's life, I will always respond. If it's a loss of a family member or a death, I will always respond. If there's uh, a hospitalization, if it works within my schedule to respond immediately, I will. If not, then I will respond within the first 48 hours. So there's you know, some, some criteria that you probably want to write out with your team to say, like, if and when these things happen, uh, how will we respond? We, in our training here at Justice for Youth, we do some scenario training uh, when it comes to this topic, and we help our team members know how to respond and when to respond, right? Whether it's in the moment, follow up, um, and then, and or when they return um, back into our groups or our circles. So it's, uh, it's something that you want to think about. Um, you know, working in the urban inner city space, you're going to have a lot of this stuff go down. I think I had one person tell me last week, like, how do you do it, Eric? Like, one of my staff, like, there's like a crisis every day at our office, you know. Um, another story, just yesterday, we had a young lady come in and apply for work. And she was, she's so malnourished, dehydrated, under the influence, homeless. And she's in bad shape, you know. And we're dealing with that every day. So I think complementing this should be some, like, compassion fatigue training and, like, yeah. self-care training when we talk about emergencies and, and responding to that. Yeah, and I, I want to reiterate what Eric said. It's like you need to create a, a category and a list, you know. Like, hurricanes, there's five categories of hurricanes. Like, you know, you could categorize your, your youth crises as hurricanes or whatever. It's like, you know, what are response now emergencies and what are things that could be handled in the morning or what are these other things? And I think if you don't have that criteria and that list created, to you, everything's going to be an emergency just like the kids because you don't have a set criteria list. You don't know what, what is what is a real emergency versus what's not a real emergency. And you, and if that happens, I know for a fact you will never get anything done because you will never be working. You're always answering someone else's issues. And someone else's issues aren't always your issues because if you can't solve your issues and do your work, you are only going to be able to impact those people for a couple of years until you burn out and, and you overwhelm yourself and you can't do it anymore. Or, you know, you, you do it and you can only impact those people because you're never able to expand and grow and push your, your work greater than yourself because you're, you never have been able to create and function and create these things for yourself. Um, and so it, it's something important that you need to do today. Don't wait and set up this idea tomorrow. Don't wait and wait to, you know, next week or next month because uh, once you get into it, like, and, and you're hearing the need of, of the youth in your community, there's going to be emergencies every single day. Um, and you need to figure out what is your true emergency versus what is just a small impartial emergency. Yeah, and I'll add, like, 
it's a culture that you have to create and not be ashamed or afraid to say it aloud as often as possible, like to build boundaries. So I'll joke with kids, but I'll be serious too. And I'll be like, yeah, man, like, man, you be getting drunk 24-7-4. Don't expect me to answer your call at 2 in the morning when you need a ride, homie, because you busted a mission to Fontana and now all of a sudden you don't got a ride back. I'm not scooping you up. You best believe. Like, don't hit me up for that, right? So I'm already laying the boundary but i'm but at the end of that i'm saying don't get it twisted though i love you and i care for you but i'm not gonna um uh what's the word when you're empowering uh somebody who's making bad choices enable there you go i'm not gonna i'm not gonna enable you bro like don't don't expect that so that way students because i've had students say before oh like you know eric says he's gonna be there and then you know in real times like when we need him, he's not. And then I'll push back. I'll be like, bro, or young lady, like, what? You're tripping. You're just saying that because you think that your emergency is my emergency. Like, I'm down to help, and I'm always here. Yeah. But not when you need, think you need it. Well, and I, I kind of want to laugh and push back on the kids. Like, dude, like, just because you make an emergency is because you are bored. Like, you're going out of your way to bust the mission and to get drunk and to get high. And then you expect everyone else to come and take care of you. It's like... Well, if you never busted that mission to do it, like, you wouldn't need me in the first place. So, like, what is the real issue? Like, why why do you need me to be there all the time? Like, what's really going on? And a lot of times they don't want to answer because they realize, like, you know what? Like, you're right. I am in fault. Like, I messed that up, and I'm dragging you down into my BS. And, like, it it's okay to be with the kids in their BS and their mess ups. But the question is, like, are you just laying and playing in, like, the whole concept of, like, you know, being a pig and playing it within the mud. Like, are you, are you just constantly living in the mud like a pig or are you just visiting it once in a while and realize, like, you know what, like, that is my mess up. That is my failure. And, like, you're going in to help versus you're down there playing in with the kids as well because yeah. it never ends. What's something interesting that just came to my mind that I think it's maybe important to share with the listeners is that this principle also should be applied in your team. So, like, Paul's yeah. been really great at teaching me this. And by the way, man, like, I don't do this enough, but I was driving the other day and I was thinking, like, you know what? Paul is such a blessing in my life. He is almost the exact opposite of me on many <laughs> levels. And he sometimes I want to sock him out because he pushes back so much. But um, he, he has really single-handedly been responsible for the expansion of our organization from a mom-and-pop shop to, to an organization that's blessing um, many, many people. And I'll publicly thank Mr. Hudak here. Um, but I'm saying all this to say he has taught me that my emergency is not his emergency. Sometimes I don't plan enough. You know, I want him to do things last minute. And then I'm asking for things and demanding things. And they're like, bro, we got work. Like what we said we would do this, but you didn't organize it. And I'm like, dang, like they're right. He's right. You know, so it's a, it's a principle that can be adopted in your workplace too. If yeah. you work unhealthily, um, nothing's ever going to get done. If you're all always working in emergency mode, yeah. uh, nothing's going to be quality. Um, so yeah, I know Paul wants to speak to this. He's itching to talk right now. Yeah, <laughs> you can see his. No, face. well, and I think that reminds <laughs> me because like, like we're just going to talk business on this aspect. It's like a lot of times we, we flock and get people around us who are like us. But that is only going to allow you to grow so much because 
you only grow as much as you grow because you're limited. But if you get those people around you who are opposites or slightly different, they challenge and bring out things within you that you don't and you never thought you have. Like, let's go down to like a sports analogy, right? Like a basketball player, right? I'm, I'm a great, everyone's great at doing layups for the most part. Like, but then you get that one person that you have to play against that's like a foot taller than you. And you realize, like, shoot, like, you know what? Like, I can't just do layups every day. I have to learn how to make a jump shot, you know? And you have to keep expanding and growing your your skill level, your game, your your abilities, because now what worked before isn't going to work forever. And when it comes to your organization, your work, the people that you want to have an influence on, like, you need those around you who are going to challenge you, those who are going to make you better. And you have to see it from the aspect of, you know what, they're not challenging me because they don't like me. They're not challenging me because they don't think it's a good idea. They are challenging me because they think it could be better. And then I want to encourage those who are the challengers. It's like, you can't come out and challenge just because you want to be a dick. Like, you know what, like, I don't like you right now, so I'm just going to be a dick and challenge you every time. Uh, but you have to come out of the aspect of love and caring and that you're doing this because you love and care this individual and you want to make this individual better. And I'm not doing this because like, you know what, like I can't stand Eric. He pissed me off today in our meeting. So you know what, I'm just going to be a a jerk and a dick to him whenever any topic comes up for this week. Like that's not going to help you grow. That's not going to make anything better. That's just creates toxicity within the workplace, within the environment. And I think what's helpful at times when it comes to me and Eric's relationship, we both realize like emotions are, at times are, is a wasted energy. It's like, why am I going to be a wasted energy by being carried away by my emotion? It's like, you know what? Like, right, It's okay to feel that way. It's okay to have that emotion. But for me, it's like, man, I don't want to be sitting and wallowing in that emotion. Like, oh, Eric doesn't like me. He doesn't want to be my friend. And it's like, no, like Eric's my boss. Like He wants to push me. He wants me to become a better employee. And me, it's like, you know what? Like, I want to make Eric a better boss. I want Eric to become better. I, like, my goal is, like, I want our work to be worldwide. I want it to be the opportunity to be everywhere. And that's not going to be able if we just, like, run around and make every single thing our emergency. It's not going to happen. Yeah. And I think to kind of, you know, wrap us up here, you know, just some closing thoughts to recap is um, with youth – You know, set the culture and the tone early on as you're building relationships in regards to this idea and this concept. Um, Communicate it often, be clear, but be compassionate. And then I think with your team, you should build some criteria about the types of emergencies that happen and what kinds of responses you will have and when. And that's very helpful to kind of do early on and, and sometimes predict or project some things that can happen in the urban inner city space or wherever you're serving. And then in regards to your own personal workspace and within your teams, you have to also create some cultural values that you live and die on. And uh, you, you communicate this often and push back respectfully and draw boundaries um, and be willing to collaborate and relearn and reteach. There's been times where I get in unhealthy funks and Paul has to kind of pull me aside and say, hey, Eric, like you've been doing really good at this, but now I see you're pulling it back again. Like, Come on, let's get back to where we were. We committed to this. So not being afraid to have those honest conversations. Paul, you want to add anything else as a recap? Yeah, no, I want to focus on the kids. Like, just because we're saying not every one of your emergencies is our emergency does not give you, like, still reach out and seek help, right? And 
and not and by doing that you're able to find out what exactly is true emergencies and what aren't and that will help better um, engage and build healthier you know skill levels within yourself so that you can continue to grow um, with whatever you do and I think that is very important not to say oh well they said my emergency is not their emergency so I'm not going to reach out to and talk to them ever again because they don't they don't want me anymore and and that's not what we're saying that's 100% not we're saying what we're saying is every time something goes wrong doesn't need everyone's help all the time there's times where you have to learn you have to grow and you have to build these intentional moments in your life where you have to grow and build because ultimately it is you and it's your life it's not my life you know i'm not living my life through you you have to live your own life and and it's okay like if you fail and you mess up like it's okay to live with those mistakes but the question is are you making those mistakes every single day or are you learning and slowly growing from your mistakes and that's what i want to encourage the students are like it's okay to fail it's okay to mess up but be ready and know that sometimes when you mess up and when you fail there won't be there there won't pe- be people there to lift you up every single time and and that's okay and you just have to you know take a step forward every single day and keep working and moving yourself forward. Um, so I, again, like I just, as Eric said, we're wrapping up and I just want to thank everyone for being here and listening and, and taking um, this month into consideration and just remembering about this idea of your emergency is not my emergency. And again, if you have any questions, please send us a message, write a review on this podcast so other people could, you know, it'll pop up more and more people are able to hear and, and glean and learn from this because we believe that many people out there, whether you're even doing youth work, like this is important to hear. This is important to listen to. So thank you again, and we'll see you guys next month. <laughs>